turn for our reading this morning in God's Word to the book of Deuteronomy, the book of Deuteronomy chapter 7, <coughs> Deuteronomy chapter 7, and I'm going to read down to the end of verse 16, Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 1 to 16. When the Lord thy God shall bring thee into the land whither thou goest to possess it, and have cast out many nations before thee, the Hittites and the Girgashites, and the Amorites and the Canaanites, and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, seven nations greater and mightier than thou. And when the Lord thy God shall deliver them before thee, Thou shalt smite them, and utterly destroy them. Thou shalt make no covenant with them, nor show mercy unto them. Neither shalt thou make marriages with them. Thy daughter thou shalt not give to his son, nor his daughter shalt thou take unto thy son. For they will turn away thy son from following me, that they may serve other gods. So will the anger of the Lord be kindled against thee, and destroy thee suddenly. But thus shall ye deal with them. Ye shall destroy their altars, and break down their images, and cut down their groves, and burn their graven images with fire. For thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto himself above all people that are upon the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love upon you, nor choose you, because ye were more in number than any people, for ye were the fewest of all people. But because the Lord loved you, and because he would keep the oath which he had sworn to unto your fathers, hath the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand, and redeemed you out of the house of bondmen, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him, and keep his commandments to a thousand generations, and repayeth them that hate him for their face, to destroy them. He will not be slack to him that hateth him, he will repay him to his face. Thou shalt therefore keep the commandments and the statutes and the judgments which I command thee this day to do them. Wherefore it shall come to pass, if ye hearken unto these judgments, and keep and do them, that the Lord thy God shall keep unto thee the covenant and the mercy which he sware unto thy fathers. And he will love thee, and bless thee, and multiply thee. He will also bless the fruit of thy womb, and the fruit of thy land, thy corn, and thy wine, and thine oil, the increase of thy kine, and the flocks of thy sheep, in the land which he swear unto thy fathers to give thee. Thou shalt be blessed above all people, 
there shall not be male or female barren among you or among your cattle. And the Lord will take away from thee all sickness and will put none of the evil diseases of Egypt which thou knowest upon thee, but will lay them upon all them that hate thee. And thou shalt consume all the people which the Lord thy God shall deliver thee. Thine eye shall have no pity upon them, neither shalt thou serve their gods, for that will be a snare unto thee. Leave God, the reading of God's word there. May God bless it to us. Let's take our hymn books again, number 574. <coughs> number 574. How firm a foundation, ye saints of the Lord, is laid for your faith in his excellent word. What more can he say than to you he has said, you who unto Jesus for refuge have fled? Number 574.
Our faithful God in prayer, let's pray. O Lord, as we bow in your holy presence again this morning, Lord, we do thank you for your precious word as we have read it together this morning, where we have been reminded that you are the Lord, the faithful God who keeps covenant and mercy towards all those who love him and keep his commandments. Oh, we thank you, O Lord, for those beautiful lines that we have been singing this morning. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. And Lord, as we each one of us look back over the years of our lives to this moment, that surely is our testimony. All I have needed, thy hand has provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. And truly, Lord, this morning we rejoice in your faithfulness. We rejoice in every provision that you have made for us. But most of all, we rejoice in that glorious Saviour, even your only begotten and beloved Son, whom you sent into the world to deliver and to save his people from their sin. O oh Lord, what a blessing it is to be numbered amongst that people, that people who were chosen, not because they were many in number, that people that were loved, not because there was anything lovely in them, but that people that were chosen and loved in eternity past, in the eternal counsels of our Almighty God, in His divine love and determined purposes. Lord, it is on these things that we take our stand this morning, and it is in these things this morning that we rejoice and worship you. O oh Lord, we thank you then for every blessing so graciously and abundantly bestowed upon us. But Lord, as your children, as your people gather together here this morning, Lord, you see us in the very present circumstances and situations in which we find ourselves. And we rejoice in your promise that you would never leave nor forsake us. Lord, that covenant undertaking, that even when we have grown cold with you, you have still been with us. And in the past you have restored us when we have backslidden. You have had your hand upon us in providence as well as in grace. And Lord, this morning, in our own personal walk with you, in our own lives and circumstances, our God still reigns. Our God is still with us. You were with your people, Lord, all the way through those years in the wilderness. And we know, Lord, that for 40 years, they wandered here and there. And Lord, we know that during that 40 years, the vast majority who had come out of Egypt perished. And yet, Lord, you still stood with them. The fiery, cloudy pillar was still there. Until, O oh Lord, those who were appointed to come into the promised land,
came to the verge of the Jordan were reminded of their God and his goodness and thus crossed over securely and safely. And Lord, even in that situation, you were the one who opened the waters afresh. You parted the waters at the Red Sea. You parted the Jordan that your people might go over dry shod. And you are still the same God today. And your people today go through various things in their lives that are like deep waters. And we tremble, Lord, lest we should drown in those waters. Lord, there are those things that are like fiery furnaces. And yet your three servants there in Babylon cast into the midst of the flames, yet they were not burnt. They came out, you were with them. So whether it's a fiery trial, Lord, or whether it's deep waters of experience, we can have confidence that you are with us, even us today. And Lord, in that, we can press on, we can persevere, Yes, there are changes. Yes, there are challenges. But Lord, you will overcome them for us. And Lord, you will overcome them with us. How thankful we are for the assured promises of your covenant word. And we're so thankful, Lord, that we have the Holy Spirit also who has opened our hearts opened our hearts to receive the Word of God, opened our hearts not only to receive it, but to believe it, and to trust the God who has given it. How thankful we are this morning, Father, that therein we find the way of salvation for our souls, the way in which we should walk through life. And maybe there are those here this morning seeking guidance and direction in their lives. They are passing away, they have not known before. And they wonder, they fear they might get lost in the tangled threads. O oh Lord, show them your word. Bring your word to bear on the path that they are walking, that they may with confidence with the word in their hand as they go forward into the darkness, into the unknown. But they go into it with the God who knows. How precious these truths are to us gathered in this place this morning. And while we would pray for one another that every needed blessing will be granted to us individually, in our family circles, as a church that gathers in this place, Lord, be with them and encourage them and strengthen their hands in the work. But Lord, we stretch our thoughts beyond ourselves, for we are living in a world that is full of darkness, where the evil one seems to have so much power and so much sway over the hearts and the minds of men. 
and yet as thou hast been, thou forever wilt be. Lord, we look back over the years of history, the history of the world, the history of our own country, to times of great decadence and fallenness. And yet, Lord, you were pleased to send times of blessing and reviving. And Lord, that is what we need in our own generation. Oh, how sorely we need it. The churches need reviving. Father, the world needs that resurrection power to be brought from death into life. And you are the only one who can grant these things. We cling to your word. Those that seek me early shall find me. And we are seeking you this morning, Lord. Seeking you for your glory and for the honour of your name. To even yet be pleased to send days of blessing amongst your people and into the world. O oh Lord, for such things to happen, there needs to be preparation. And we thank you for the prayer meetings that are being held here in Sussex. We thank you for the coming meeting on Friday, God willing. And pray, Lord, that a real spirit of prayer and supplication will be poured out upon each one who gathers. And that, Lord, prayer might be offered, poured out before the throne. Lord, in such a way as Jacob prayed when he was there by the brook, I will not let you go until you bless me. Oh Lord, we need that perseverance. We think of Elijah when he was up on Carmel praying for rain, praying for the blessings to return upon apostate Israel at that time. And Lord, he did not give up until there was that little indicator, that cloud the size of a man's hand. Then, O oh Lord, he ran and ran for cover. O oh Lord, we think of the words that are recorded in your word concerning our Saviour, how he pleaded. In the words of the hymn, backwards and forwards, thrice he ran. He prayed, he prayed again, he prayed again, and then he could go forward. And Lord, if such was the path of our Saviour, in these stalwarts for the truth, oh, how poor and weak and shameful we are. Oh, give us, Lord, Burden us more and more with the burden of prayerfulness. For prayer truly offered will truly be answered. So, O oh Lord, we bring these various matters to the throne this morning. And now we ask afresh that we may know something of the power and moving of the Spirit as we open the word that we've just read together, that it may come with clarity, with power, with relevance to each one of our hearts, 
to impact upon us in each one of our lives, that we may go from this place this morning encouraged, renewed and strengthened and go with confidence in our Saviour. Lord, hear our prayers this morning. Cleanse us from all our sin, even the sin of our holy things. Wash us in that precious blood that was shed on Calvary's hill for sinners such as we. We ask in our Saviour's precious and worthy name. Amen. <coughs> Hymn 746, before we come to the word. 746. Be still, my soul. The Lord is on thy side. Bear patiently the cross of grief or pain. Leave to thy God to order and provide. In every change he faithful will remain. Number 746.
Well, let's turn to God's Word together. And we're going to turn this morning to Deuteronomy chapter 7. And I want to look with you at verses 6 to 11. But my text you will find in verse 9. And it's just the opening words that have arrested me. Know that the Lord your God, He is God, the faithful God. I want us to think this morning about our faithful God. Now, the background to these words, the book of Deuteronomy, was written at the end of, the, of Israel's 40 years in the wilderness. You remember how they had left Egypt? They had journeyed, they had journeyed to Horeb and so on. And there came a point where the spies had gone, uh, those spies had gone into the promised land and they had come back with a false report. And apart from Caleb and Joshua, who brought back a faithful report of the land, the other spies brought a false one. And as a result of that, the children of Israel murmured and God turned them round and sent them back into the wilderness. They had come to the brink of, of the promised land, but because they murmured and grumbled, they had been turned round by God and they had spent another 40 years in the wilderness. Well, now a whole generation had been called away. A whole generation had gone. And a new generation was standing at probably much the same spot. And they have come there and have assembled at God's command. Deuteronomy opens with God commanding Moses to call the people together and to speak to them. So these people are on the threshold of a new experience. Moses is commanded to remind them of two things. He's to remind them of all that God had been to them during those years that they had spent in the wilderness. All that God had been to them. And he was to remind them of all that God had done for them during those years as well. And then, having reminded them of what God had been and what God had done, here at the end of the book, Moses himself is not going to enter the promised land, but he is going to be with the Lord. His life work will be over. God had told him that he would lead the people to the promised land, but not in. And that's the point at which he is speaking to the people of Israel. And when I thought about that, I thought, yes, are we not at times like those Israelites, standing on the threshold of a whole new experience, standing on the threshold, if you like, of a new phase in life, 
facing perhaps changes and challenges. These people were going to face some huge challenges when they had crossed over the Jordan. Well, the Jordan itself was going to be a challenge. But God was going to see them safely through and safely through the conquest. And he was going to bring them safely in according to his word. We face challenges. We face changes. And that's why I would encourage you, if you are in such a situation, read the book of Deuteronomy. That's the very situation it's spoken into. It's as relevant for today's Christian as it was for Israel in Moses' days, those three and a half thousand years ago. So it's applicable to us, this passage. And as I say, we could go through the book of Deuteronomy, but that would take us a long time. What is he reminding them of here? What is he reminding them of? He is reminding them of their God, of their faithful God. Know that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God. Look back, Israelites. Look back, Christian. Your God has been faithful. And there is no shadow of turning with him. As he has been, he will be. That's basically the theme for this morning. So consider what Moses says just in these few verses. <clears throat> as he reminds them and us of our faithful gods. Remember, remember. And that's a key word in Deuteronomy. We're all familiar with the opening words uh, of chapter 8. Remember that the Lord your God has led you. Remember what he has done to you. Remember what he has done for you. Remember. So at this point, today, remember. Remember, first of all, from verse 9, who God is and who you are. Who God is and who you are. Know that the Lord, your God, he is God. A couple of things about our relationship with God as Christians. He is the Lord, the Lord. Remember, know that the Lord, your God. Moses discovered that very clearly, didn't he? Uh, at the burning bush back in Exodus chapter 3. When he was in the wilderness looking after his father-in-law's sheep. Moses, the shepherd. And he saw this bush burning. And yet the bush was not disappearing. It was simply ablaze and wasn't being consumed. And you'll remember how he heard a voice from the bush. It was God speaking to him. The God of his people. The God who had spoken to Moses. Moses, go and speak to Pharaoh. Moses, Tell him this, tell him that. Moses, call down the plagues. Moses, go and speak to my people Israel. Go and tell them about the Passover. 
Go and lead them out. Go and lead them to the Red Sea. Lead them through the Red Sea and so on. But there at the bush, Moses said, Who are you? Who shall I tell them has told me to tell them these things? And God plainly said, I am who I am. I am. Go and tell them. I am has sent you. And of course, we know that word, I am is Lord. It's Yahweh, the covenant God. He is the God who is in covenant, in covenant with his creation as its great creator. I will remember, he said to Moses, my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. I covenant with creation that the waters will never again be a flood to destroy the earth earth and all flesh. Look at that rainbow, Moses. There is the sign of my covenant. Every time you look up at it, you will be, I will be looking down at it. That's a wonderful thing. The rainbow in the sky, we look up to it. God looks down at it. We remember his covenant with us and he remembers his covenant towards us, towards creation. It's a covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. He is the God of the covenant with creation. He is the covenant deliverer. Think of the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. How God covenanted with them to be their deliverer that through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob would come a deliverer of his people. They would be the founding fathers, if you like, of that great nation. And God would be in covenant with that nation. That through that nation should come the deliverer, should come the saviour, the messiah. That's what God was meaning when he said, both to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Through you will come the Messiah, the Christ, the promised one. See how God has kept his undertaking concerning the nation. He brought them out of the bondage of Egypt. How did he do it? He redeemed them. The lamb, the Passover lamb, was, was killed and offered. The blood, they passed under the blood. The whole picture of redemption. He kept his covenant and mercy that he would deliver them and bring them in. And here they are on the threshold of entering in. God is keeping his word. And of course, all that would ultimately be fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Where do we stand in today's world? To Where do Christians stand in the 21st century? He is our covenant saviour. He is with us as his new covenant people. Look what he has done for us. 
for his ancient people. There was the, the whole sacrificial system. But that has been completely fulfilled and superseded by the Lord Jesus Christ. Behold, not a Passover lamb, but the Lamb of God who should come into the world. Jesus is that lamb. There is no other lamb ever to be offered. He is the Lamb of God that should come, that should shed his blood, the blood of the new covenant. Oh, it's so wonderful just to trace these things. And what has he done for us? Has he not brought us out from under the bondage of sin? How did he bring us out? Through the shedding of his blood, the redemption price to redeem us out of that slavery? Has he not kept his covenant and mercy even with us ever since that moment? And indeed, really, before it? Oh, friend, these are glorious things. This is the Lord, the God of the covenant. But Moses says, he is the Lord, your God. He is your God. This God, says the psalmist, is our God. He is our God forever and ever. And he will be our guide even to death. Who is the one that Christians worship? We don't worship ourselves. We don't worship the material things of this world. We don't worship the evil one. We don't worship anything but this God. The covenant God. We worship him. And we worship him alone. After all, what has he done? He has worked in our hearts, hasn't he, by the Holy Spirit? What has he done in our hearts? He has brought us to love him. He has brought us to keep his commandments. That is the evidence that he is our God. This is the love of God. This is what it means to love God, that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not grievous or burdensome. They're not heavy loads to carry. That's what John tells us. That's a New Testament verse. Well, this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. We have been delivered from slavery. We have been set free to serve God. And that's exactly what happened in the picture of the Old Testament, isn't it? Let my people go that they might serve me. They were under the thraldom of Pharaoh. Let my people go that they may serve me. Says Moses, God has spoken to me that the people are to go. We are to go and to serve him. And that's where we stand today, Christian, isn't it? This is our God, the covenant Lord, the Lord your God. Is this God your God your, this morning? Then remember, 
how in the person and work of Christ, what does Moses talk about, even in this chapter? He talks about, in verse 6, the Lord your God has chosen you. The Lord your God set his love on you. And because he chose you and loved you, because he would keep the oath which he swore, he has brought you out. He has delivered you from the house of bondage to come and live for him and serve him. He has chosen you. He has saved you. He has redeemed you. He has fulfilled his covenant mercy towards you. He and he alone is worthy and entitled to your worship and your obedience. So there, here you are this morning, standing on the threshold of something in your life. Remember what God has done to bring you to this point. And before you go a step further, worship him. That's what he set you free to do. And it's when you worship him, facing the challenges, facing the changes, you will find the way forward. That's the way it was. That's the way it still is. And one of the most God-honoring and essential aspects of true worship and service of the Lord is to remember your God is faithful. That's my second point this morning. Remember who God is and who you are as one of his redeemed. Remember, secondly, your God is faithful. Know that the Lord, your God, he is God, the faithful God, who keeps covenant and mercy, who goes on, as he always has done, keeping his word, honoring his obligations. He has put himself under obligation to bring you through whatever lies ahead. In whatever way he chooses, to whatever circumstance he brings you into. And Moses points out four things about the faithfulness of our covenant God. First of all, God is faithful to himself. He is faithful to himself. We must put him first every time. Listen to what Paul says in writing to Timothy. In all our struggles in life, even when we are full of unbelief, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. That's the first thing to remember about your God, friend. He is faithful to himself. Moses says so. He speaks of keeping covenant. He keeps covenant and mercy. He doesn't shy away from keeping his covenant purposes 
towards you. No, he is faithful. He keeps covenant. He remains faithful even this morning. Remember, as he has been, he forever will be. Secondly, God is faithful to his word. Oh, aren't you thankful this morning that God has revealed his undertakings in his written word? I am. Oh, don't you love those promises? They're covenants. They're God's covenant promises. He cannot deny himself. He cannot break his word. He would cease to be God. He would cease to be the I am that I am if he did. He would forfeit all trust. He cannot deny himself. Paul tells us, doesn't, or Peter rather, tells us, doesn't he, of those exceedingly great and precious promises. He tells us that the purpose of these promises is to make us Christ-like and to escape the corruption that is in the world through lust. That's the way forward. That's the way ahead. Trusting in the promises, standing on the promises, the promises of God my Saviour. That's the only way through. It was when the children of Israel, the previous generation to the one in Deuteronomy, when they stopped trusting, God turned them round. The only way forwards is to go on trusting. Through these, you may be partakers of the divine nature. You will become Christ-like. Look at our Saviour. How he trusted his Father. Having escaped the corruption that is in the, through, in the world through lust. Yes, that's the way forward. It was the way the Lord went forward. Not my will, I'm trusting you, Father. Not my will, but yours. And the Father had made it known to him. And the Father has made his will known to us in the form of great and precious promises. So trust him. We have every assurance that in Christ, who is the Lord Jesus Christ, he is God the Son, isn't he? He's the covenant saviour. He's the one who fulfilled his obligations under the covenant to come into the world, to live the life that we cannot live, to die the death we deserve to die. All the promises of God are yes and amen. They are absolutely certain to the glory of God in him and to the glory of God through us. Do you see, do you notice that in 2 Corinthians 1.20? That in him, in Christ, they are yes and amen, to the glory of God through us. How are you going to glorify God? By trusting him. By leaning on the promises. That's to the glory of God. You look at the future. 
How is this going to glorify God? How can I glorify God in this? You can and you will when you trust in the Saviour and through the Saviour in the promises. There's no reason to question or doubt either the reality of the promises or the ultimate fulfillment of the promises or the title we have to the promises as believers. Yes, if you're a believer, you're entitled. You have a title to these promises as one who loves them, loves him and keeps his commandments. If you love him because he first loved you and you keep his commandments because you love him, then you are one of his covenant people under the covenant promises. But there's still more encouragement in this verse. The faithful God who keeps covenant and mercy. He's not only faithful to himself and his word, he is faithful to his people. That comes out in verses 7 to 9. He is faithful to his people. Though those that he chose, those that he loved, those that he swore an oath over, don't you find that an amazing thing? He swore an oath. Because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself to fulfill his decrees of saving his people. Those that he had chosen and given to Christ. Those that he loved and who the Savior loved. Those who the Savior came and died and thus liberated and brought out from the bondage. Brought them out. Redeemed them. The world has no more claim over them. The evil one has no authority over them anymore. Because in the resurrection of our Savior, the chains have been broken. We are free and free indeed. It is in Christ. They are all the promises are yes and amen. And the Holy Spirit, the third person in the Trinity, has worked in us to bring us to repentance, to bring us to faith, to bring us to obedience. However, that's all very, very encouraging. That's tremendous. But there is another solemn covenant made by this God equally sure and equally certain. What is that covenant? God is faithful to himself. He's faithful to his people. And he is faithful to his enemies. He is faithful to his enemies. Listen to Moses in verse 10. Who is the he? 
the Lord your God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and mercy, he repays those who hate him to their face to destroy them. He will not be slack with him who hates him. He will repay him to his face. That's a frightening thought. My friend, those who oppress you as enemies of God will one day receive what's coming to them. Now, we don't take joy in that. We don't rub our hands, oh, good, they'll get it one day. No, it's not that at all. But how encouraging. They seem so strong. They seem so powerful. We just can't hardly face them. But the children of Israel, as they crossed over the Jordan, one by one, the enemies fell. And those enemies that obstruct your way, they will fall. God has promised it. The wages of sin is death. That's a certainty. The gift of God. Christian, you've received the gift of God. The gift of the Spirit. The gift of faith the gift of repentance, the gift of obedience. And that all is summed up in eternal life. If this God is your God, there must be finally an appropriate response. What is your response? Not only to the truth of the statement that this God is your God. We rejoice in that. But there must be a response in a life that rests in and confesses that faithfulness. So my third point is this. What our response should be. And Moses puts it in the form of a response. Let me read verse 9. Know that the Lord, your God, he is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and mercy. Right? That's our God. This God, your God, repays his enemies. Therefore. Therefore. What an important word. Therefore. Because the Lord is your God, the faithful God, Therefore, what's the response? You shall keep the commandment, the statutes, the judgments which I command you to observe them. Very quickly. It can be summed up in three words. Our response should be to trust. There's no reason not to trust. To obey. There's no reason not to obey and every reason to obey and hope. Take away those three words this morning. Your God, the faithful God, is worthy of your trust, your obedience and your hope. When we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way. 
And the chorus of that lovely hymn runs, doesn't it? Trust and obey. There's no other way to be happy. No other way of hope. But to trust and obey. Trust in your covenant-keeping God. Trust in Him. It's when we walk by faith and not by sight that we find peace amid every circumstance of life. I look back in my own life over the last three or four years and those words have been hanging on, my, on the wall of our lounge and every time I look up at them, walk by faith, not by sight. Which, which of those phrases do you put? Give the, put the emphasis on. Well, I'll tell you what this, on my wall it hangs, and one of those phrases in smaller type, the other is in bold. And it's probably not the way round you would think. It's what struck me immediately. We walk by faith, not by sight. Isn't that it? We've got every encouragement to walk by faith. Yes, let's emphasize that. But then the negative reinforces the positive, doesn't it? Not by sight. In other words, don't look around you. Look up to the Lord. That's the way. We're going to sing to close. Jesus, I am resting, resting in the joy of what thou art. I am finding out the greatness of thy loving heart. I'm trusting in him. Great is thy faithfulness, O God my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not. Thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever will be. So I won't look at all the things around me. I'll look at him and I'll go on. I'll trust. He's provided morning by morning new mercies. All I've needed, his hand has provided. His faithfulness is so great. So stayed upon Jehovah, hearts are fully blessed. Finding as he promised, resting in the promises, resting on the God of the promises. Our hearts are fully blessed, finding as he promised perfect peace and rest. To trust in God is to rely on him alone because he alone is trustworthy, righteous, unchanging, sovereign and true. And that trust will be seen as we obey our covenant God. As our text says, you shall keep the commandments, the statutes, the judgments and observe them. And he has promised if we do that, if we walk with him in the light of his word, he will be with us. Obedience is a key aspect and element of the Christian life. He has covenanted to keep covenant and mercy. 
He will bless us, he'll provide, he'll protect, he'll guide safely through all the changing scenes of life as we trust and obey. And it's when we're trusting and obeying we go on with hope. We do, don't we? We can go on with hope in our covenant God. We can go on through life with William Carey expecting great things and attempting great things for God. We can even face death with the promised land in view like Moses. Because we know that that's the ultimate goal. That's the ultimate end. That's where everything's leading to. And there's another side. These Israelites here had come to that point and they were going to cross over. The other side, the promise would be entered into. And isn't that what lies ahead of believers? We can know assurance of faith like Abraham who waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. My home is in heaven. My home is not here. I'm only a pilgrim, a passenger here. I am on the way to the city with foundations. That better country, that heavenly country, for God is not ashamed to be called our God because he has already prepared the place for us. So friend, whoever we are, if we are Christians, be positive. Oh, we talk a lot about positivity today, don't we? But a Christian can be positive. A Christian should be positive. They're too fond of talking in the negative. Too many Christians are fond of talking in the negative. We say, don't forget. Don't do this. Don't do that. No. Our covenant God is a positive God and he wants us to be positive in him. Remember, that's a positive word. I'm not saying this morning, don't forget. I'm saying, remember. Do something positive that God is faithful to himself, his covenant, and his covenant people. Persevere. I could say don't give up. I won't. I'll be positive. Persevere in trusting obedience, looking unto Jesus, heeding his word. Press on in expectant hope of the glory land one day. Eternity in the presence of who? This covenant God, who in eternity past chose us, in time redeemed us, and in eternity will be there to be glorified by us. When we do that, we honour our Saviour now. And he has promised something else to those who honour him. Those who honour me, I will honour. Let's pray. O Lord, our God and Father, we come before you again. We thank you for your precious, precious word. And Lord, we thank you that it speaks to us all in all the changing scenes of life, in trouble and in joy. 
Oh, the praises of our God should our hearts and tongues employ. We don't always feel like it, Lord. That's our sin. That's our unbelief. Lord, we've been reminded again this morning, looking unto Jesus, looking to the one who came. We think of Joshua, Lord. Same word as Jesus. When they followed Joshua, who followed the Lord fully, they entered in and rejoiced. Help us to follow our Lord fully. Rejoice in him and enter in before long. We seek it for your name and glory's sake. Uh, Closing in this morning, 602. 602. Jesus, I am resting, resting in the joy of what thou art. I am finding out the greatness of thy loving heart. Thou hast bid me gaze upon thee, and thy beauty fills my soul. For by thy transforming power, thou hast made me whole. 602.
Help us, Lord, to go on resting, resting in the joy of what thou art, and to go on finding out the greatness of thy loving heart. Lord, pardon and forgive all that's been wrong this morning. May your blessing be upon us still. In Jesus' name.